Now it's time for Tracy Martin from the New Zealand First Party. This morning I had my weekly chat with New Zealand First Minister Tracy Martin. We talked about the concerns of parents and mixed messaging about schools under alert level 2.5, which may be contributing to low attendance rates. We also talked about the possibility of the terrorist behind the Christchurch shootings being sent back to his home country, Australia, to serve his sentence. New Zealand First was the first party to propose this idea last week, but as the Minister notes, ACT now has also jumped on board and the Prime Minister has mentioned her willingness to discuss with the Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. We began talking, however, about phase two of the Keep It Real online campaign. The first phase targeted parents, giving them tools to keep their children safe from grooming, pornography and bullying in the digital age. The second phase targets children to equip them with tools to keep themselves safe. However, I began by asking Minister Martin about the success of the first phase of Keep It Real online, which was targeted at parents. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, so you have to understand for the, the why did... Why did I go and pitch for to get some money out of the COVID fund to do an online campaign about cyberbullying, um, you know, pornography and that sort of stuff? So I, I went there predominantly because, one, we knew we had, in lockdown four, we had, you know, huge numbers of young people going online, probably more, and spending more time online that they, than they had been previously because obviously they were now at home, couldn't go out. We, we delivered devices around the country to school children so that they could participate in, you know, sort of um, homeschooling, I suppose. And so many of those families hadn't had devices before, so weren't um, up to speed on where, how can I put in protections, how can I do this, that and the other thing. Um, and we saw a spike in um, traffic to pornography sites during the Level 4 lockdown. Mm. Uh, so... That was the reason we we got the money and we started this um, started the um, what am I trying to say you know the campaign. So the first one was to put up those videos and um, the one particularly around pornography it went viral. It, you know we're in the UK papers and we're in this that and the other thing because we actually addressed the issue. So again, New Zealand was being lauded for um, addressing a really hard issue in a constructive way. Um, and the purpose of the campaign is to drive people to the support, you know, the support mechanisms if they run into difficulties like um, NetSafe and so on, but also to um, give them all the information in one place about how parents can um, put in protections and filters and controls to, you know, protect their children when they're online. And did you feel, was there much of an update from parents actually talking to their kids about these issues? Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. So the, the feedback we've had um, and, you know, the feedback from NetSafe and others has been um, really, really positive. So, you know, it's, it's been a good campaign. But now this one is focusing rather instead on the parents, um, on, on the children instead. Yeah. How do yeah. you feel like, is that going to have the same impact, do you think? Well, I hope so. I mean, um, so, yeah, it's focused at 12 to 18-year-olds and it's, about, um, it's more about moderating their own behaviour so we all, you know, moderate our own behaviour about how we interact, participate, etc. online. Um, but also trying to give them enough information to get them to go and open up if they're feeling like, for example, a series of text messages that, it, that is the precursor to grooming. Um, getting them to think about that. And it's constant messaging. You have to do it constantly. Um, and going and telling an adult and that sort of thing. Um, I was talking to uh, some colleagues last night, actually, and one of them was telling me a story about a young person in their family 
who came out and said, man, I just made $100 by sending a guy a photo of my feet. One might not think that that's such a big problem, except the next time and the next time and the next time. And then where does it go to? Because it's the start of something. And it is odd for somebody to pay you $100 for a photo of your feet. That is not normal behaviour. So that's the sort of thing that we, we want to try and make sure that you just have a think about it. Yeah. What would, why would they do that, you know? Yeah. And I guess my concern, it's kind of sad and disheartening that we have to put this much of the burden on children themselves to keep themselves safe on the internet so is there not room to regulate and actually make the internet safer for consumers? (laughs) Well I've had been having this conversation for the last three years so one of the reasons why I was in Washington um, earlier this year was because I was there as one of the you know as New Zealanders Five Eyes representative and we were talking to Google and um, you know Facebook and so on and so forth about how how can we work more closely together, government and um, providers, to protect our young? That's literally what the conversation was. The, the counter to that, however, is that when I have tried to put forward ideas here in New Zealand about putting in filters or um, try, you know, trying to put, say, age recognition uh, software at the front of anything, I run straight into the free speech, free internet, you cannot touch the internet conversation with um, you know, civil society, I suppose. So the country does need to have a conversation about, in the real world, we protect our children by saying that's an R18 shop, you cannot go in there because you are not over the age of 18. And yet online, we've got this huge argument that, no, 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 you can't do that online. So uh, it's a conversation I want to pursue, should I be back again? But it's, it's a fine line between civil liberties and protection. Around 250,000 kids were set to return to school this week, but the turnout was far from what was expected. So yeah. what do you have to say to those parents who, who aren't letting their children back to school? Well, I, I don't, at this stage, I don't really have anything to say to those parents who aren't put, letting their children back to school. There's a level of anxiety that has been created across New Zealand due to COVID. Um, and because I happen to be, as the Associate Minister of Ed, I have responsibility for attendance, right? Um, and... At this stage, we need to be working on plans and information and education so that parents um, aren't anxious about their children coming back to school. And I'm going to be fascinated to see how it pans out for those schools in South Auckland who have implemented, um, uh, uh, implementing a sort of a mask-wearing culture inside their school. Um, And, you know, they've got a... One school, for example, has got a create your own mask competition so that by next week they're hoping that all their children will be wearing masks at school. Now, if that makes those children and their parents less anxious, then I, you know, I think, well, that's fine because wearing a mask isn't technically going to hurt them. Um, and if it makes them feel more comfortable and safer about going to school, then, then that's fine by me. Um, we, we're going to have to end up in a space where if they make it mandatory and there are some reasons why putting on a mask makes another young person anxious because it can feel a bit claustrophobic, then you know I can see that we're going to have to have conversations about the other side, about uh, whether it should be mandatory or not. But I think we need to be having conversations about why aren't they going back to school 
and contacting those families whose children are not coming back to school and running through, whether it's, if it's anxiety, how can we lessen your anxiety? Yeah, well, and I think a lot of those anxieties kind of come also from, it seems like a bit of mixed messaging in terms of that, you know, public gatherings are limited to 10 people, but that doesn't apply to schools. And also the wearing of masks, which is mandatory on public transport, but not on school buses. So I wonder how that messaging is is confusing parents. And so today is going to be like New Zealand First agreed with the National Party to bring back the Health Select Committee. So Shane Retty had made the request, and what most people may not realise is that the Health Select Committee is actually an even committee. So what that means is that there is the same number of opposition members as there are government members. You have to have a majority to get the Select Committee to do anything. And so New Zealand First gave the National Party that majority to bring that Select Committee back so that Ashley Bloomfield and the Minister of Health could be questioned around what has gone on with the Auckland cluster. And we felt that that was reasonable, that they be be asked to do that. And Jenny Marcroft will be asking that exact question around the mixed messaging around masks. Is there, can, you know, can Dr Bloomfield explain more clearly um, why under a certain age is apparently fine, but over a certain age you should be wearing a mask? Uh, because I agree with you, I think that the messaging, it does. I don't think that most of the New Zealand public, and I actually couldn't, I couldn't argue the logic of it. I'm not a medical professional, agreeably. So you know, nobody should be listening to anything from me with regard to um, medical practice. But um, the New Zealand public has to understand the logic of what they're being asked to do or not asked to do, um, if we want, if we want to still be in this as the team of five million. So I was interested to know that New Zealand First is the only party calling for the Christchurch terrorist to be sent back to Australia to serve his sentence. Why is it that other parties aren't in support? I think we might. I think you might find now that um, ACT has joined the uh, bandwagon. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and I see that uh, the Prime Minister has actually said that she's now open to have those conversations with um, the Prime Minister of Australia. So. Um, I I can't answer for other political parties, but what I can say is that um, the moment that the terrorist was sentenced, um, Winston and I had a conversation, and it was about um, calling for him to go home and be incarcerated in the country of his birth, um, and that they carry the cost for it. So, but I guess the big... the, The big part of this is he must remain incarcerated for the rest of his life. So we can't have a rainbow warrior situation again. So, you know, whoever's going to have those conversations with um, the Australian government, um, you know, he, he must not leave our shores unless we have an ironclad um, agreement that he will never, ever be released because um, we, we just can't have him go over there and just spend, a, you know, a decade and then they let him out. Um, so, those, so, you know, it's still going to be a difficult conversation to have. And is that the sort of thing... I mean, has that happened before? What what would it take for for this to happen? Um, well, I don't know. If, I don't think it's ever happened with Australia. But then, I'm, again, I'm not a legally expert. I mean, I referred to the Rainbow Warrior, so that um, and how you know an arrangement was made between the New Zealand government and the French government for them to be returned and to be incarcerated there. But um, you know, long story short, if you go and have a look at the history of that, um, that certainly wasn't it wasn't an arrangement that worked well for um, the New Zealand people as far as justice um, should be considered and and certainly not for those that were killed uh, during that bombing. Mm. 
And, and then the final thing on this issue was just Winston Peters highlighted that it would cost the taxpayer millions of dollars in order to have mm. him um, incarcerated for that length of time. Does that mean, could we see something from New Zealand first coming out about the concern about the size of our prison population in general and the cost that that has to the taxpayer? Well, yeah. Well, New Zealand first, um, the, one of the first things we said when we walked into the negotiating room with both with um, both parties was that we will not have a mega prison built in this country. So New Zealand First has been working, obviously, as part of the coalition government to change the way that our incarceration system works so that we're, there's more of a focus on rehabilitation um, because if you rehabilitate, you get less victims, not just less cost. So, um, so New Zealand First has constructively worked for the last three years around trying to lower the, prison, lower the prison population while at the same time keeping the New Zealand public safe. Um, just because we didn't support uh, the, three law, the three strikes, the removal of the three strikes law, doesn't mean that we haven't been working constructively with Calvin Davis as the Minister of Corrections um, and the way that that is the, um, the papers that he's put through Cabinet and the changes that he's already made. It took our vote to make sure that that happened. That was Tracy Martin from the New Zealand First Party. The Wire.